Podcast is back, and this week we watched the 2014 Christian indie flick Gramps Goes to College. Now, it's possible you've never heard of this movie. We also had never heard of it. I ran into. I was on one of the rabbit trails on the internet that we inevitably always end up going on when we are researching movies. There was this article on Cracked. Um. <laughs> Old Cracked, when Cracked was alright, it was an older article. And it was about, like, insane Christian films. Hangman's Curse was in that article, as well as a couple of those Billy Graham movies. But this one was also on there. And there was just a brief blurb about the movie in the article. And I remember thinking, at the time, hmm, this might be worthwhile. Then I forgot about it. But then, yesterday when we were trying to figure out what movie to watch... It came back into my mind, and I mentioned it, and wouldn't you know, about three months ago, somebody put the whole thing on YouTube. Yeah, if you, actually, if you look, the name of the YouTube account that posted it was Ty Bounds, which is the name of the character. <laughs> is it really? Yeah. I did not notice that. So, it's probably, uh, it's probably just this guy posting the video on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> and Ben, you had, I think, the best comparison. Like, this movie is like, what movie did you say? Oh, yeah. So, this is basically... The Room, except made by a Christian guy, because yeah. it's obvious throughout the entire movie that it was just this older guy who wanted to make a movie where he's really awesome, and all of this stuff <laughs> happens around him, and he just gets the upper hand in every situation that he's in. Now, The Room doesn't end that way, but... It is the most insanely self-indulgent <laughs> movie i have ever watched in my life it was incredible it is incredible just from start to finish it was an hour and 40 minutes long and made probably the slowest movie i've ever watched the scenes were even slower than like the fireproof mm-hmm. just but we you also noted that the movie didn't waste any time yeah it, it, it was very slow but all the dialogue everything was just yeah he was he just sat down he's like okay here's the story and yep. then everything happens as quickly as possible so he packed a lot into this yeah yeah there there was a lot i i had trouble keeping up like i wanted to write so many things down and i just couldn't keep up with the movie because he just kept throwing his things i know but yeah so the the plot of this movie is this older gentleman named Ty Bounds B O U N D S he spells it in the movie which is how i know that decides that now that he's retired he's an older guy he's retiring from the computer industry i think and he's decided he's going to go back to college because he has determined that the world of secular humanism uh is taking over the youth and he wants to fight back. So he's going to declare war on the secular people at college by attending college. He quite literally... Okay, the scene... The, the first scene... <laughs> yeah, you talk about this. You're an expert on weightlifting. Amazing. <laughs> he and this guy are in the gym working out. Ty Bounds is just doing, like, dumbbell curl. No, he's not. He's, no, he's doing, doing shrugs. Yeah. He's doing, like... Except he's doing, like, this. So it's like a row and a shrug <laughs> sort of all in one. 
And then the guy across from him, they're literally standing like two feet apart. It and so bad. the guy across from him is just doing one-armed cable flies. And the scene itself is probably close to five minutes long. And they do not put the weight. They just keep doing reps. And the guy doesn't even change hands. He's just doing cable flies for five minutes. His left hand must be his alarm clock hand. Because yeah. he's trying to build <laughs> yeah. up the other one to match. <laughs> and so they're having this conversation. And he's asking, he's like, so Ty... What are you going to do now that you are uh, retired? Just fish all day? And then Ty is like, well, you know workaholics. They're never done working. And he says, I think I'm going to go back to college. And the guy scoffs at him. Mm-hmm. And then Ty literally tells him, I'm going to wage war on these secular humanists that have overtaken the liberal universities. Yeah. It, like, it reminds me a little bit of like Pilgrim's Progress. Just how ham-fisted the dialogue can be in oh, that story. Are you ins- I, I'm just kidding. Sue me, okay? Are you insulting Locked Pilgrim's in. Progress? It's a little heavy-handed. Oh my goodness. All right. And so, this podcast is over. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, it's, I don't know. I, I get what you're saying. But, yeah, so he, he decides that he's going to go to college. But one of my favorite things about that opening scene, which, one, it's I loved it because within 30 seconds of the movie starting, you know exactly what the movie's about. That was great. Two, neither of the characters look each other in the eyes during this no, scene. It's they're so looking, they're weird. Looking, they're both looking off to the side. <laughs> yeah. Even when they, they have like the uh, like the shots of just them facing each other. Yeah, they're both kind you, of looking. You can tell that they're looking different directions. They, they made no Are effort. they reading cue cards? They might be because we later on yeah, we know that, that people are definitely reading. So maybe they were. I bet they Because the dialogue, all they're all really long blocks of dialogue. And it... it I mean, their delivery, it sounds like they're reading it. Yeah. So I bet that's what was happening. Nobody memorized their lines for this movie. So that gets more blatant as the movie goes on. (laughs) So he decides to go back to college. And so the next scene, he shows up at a nursing home. Okay, this is is the best part. The entire movie, all of it, is filmed in an assisted living facility. (laughs) All of it. The the lectures, even the, the workout at the, the beginning was the likely in the rec room. At and the, the uh, when there's a tennis match near yeah. the end, and that's you can tell it's in an old folks' home as well because the furniture around is like this old, like Titanic looking, <laughs> like wooden wicker furniture. <laughs> and so the entire every scene in the movie is shot in like the dorm room scenes are all shot in like. <laughs> empty like vacant uh assisted living rooms it's we i think we realized this we, or for sure because the, uh, they even showed external shots of this and yeah. it looks yeah at the very beginning when he first shows up to college you're like that looks like an old folks home or an assisted living facility yeah i think is old folks home politically correct i, I love to say that I, I don't anyway know. a geriatric facility yeah a geriatric. <laughs> and so he we know this though because there's scenes that are take place in a hospital and the hospital looks remarkably like the, the college, college dormitory. <laughs> and then there's a sign right behind him when he's delivering dialogue that says assisted <laughs> living section or whatever. And it has an arrow pointing to where you go for assisted living. No effort. What's they, no efforts. Like the, the motto for this movie It's sort of God's not dead, but extremely low budget and, yeah. and no effort. Yeah. I thought they didn't that have the newsboys money. Right, yeah. I thought that God's Not Dead didn't portray itself to have given that much of an effort. 
But then I saw Gramps Goes to College, and God's Not Dead is a masterpiece compared to this movie. Yeah, from a filmmaking perspective, this movie is just absolute terrible. Self-indulgent. There's, like, there's... Whoever did the sound was not great. Like, there's the obvious problem of when scenes switch, the background noise changes. There's uh, the fact that everything happened in an assisted living facility. Um, and again, the acting is them reading cue cards the entire time. So all of that is really bad. This isn't a high quality movie at all. This is obviously this older guy who plays Gramps, wrote and produced the movie. And then there was some other guy who directed it. Uh, who was also involved in other parts of it. So it's like these two guys got together and were just like, we want to make this movie about Gramps. Um, and it was almost as though he was like, I want to make a propaganda film about my baby boomer ideology, which, and we'll get into this. Yep. Part of it is Christianity, but then there's all this other stuff too. Oh yeah. That's, it's not oh, related man. to Christianity. Uh, so it almost seemed as though he was just like, I want to, you know, tell my story. <laughs> and, uh, okay, so yeah. yeah, so he sh- so Graham shows up at the assisted living facility, and he goes up to uh, ask where his dorm is. And there's this interaction about how it's a co-ed dorm, but he had specifically asked for not a co-ed dorm. Yeah, and but it turns out he does have a dude roommate, and yeah. the rooms aren't co-ed. But, but it's a but really the, long. It's a very long scene. Yeah. Just to establish that. And then, so, the, the movie, I guess, no, before he shows up, though, they have the scene with the daughter and the mom. Oh, yeah. And th- they're just establishing characters. The one, this girl named Stephanie. Yes. Oh, I remember her name. Wow. Yeah. And she is going into her senior year at Putnam State University. Is that what it is? And um, so she's going into her senior year, but she has a DUI, so her mom won't let her, won't let her live off campus. So instead, it's better for her daughter with a drinking problem to live in the dormitory <laughs> at a school. I don't know if any of our listener has been to college, but that's not how that works. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, there's this scene establishing that there is definitely tension in their relationship, culminating with Stephanie quoting the line, this sucks, I hate it. And then we sh- we jump to Gramps going and like uh, finding out what his room is. And then when he finds out, finally finds out what room he's in another, who's the other character, the other girl. What's her name? Michaela. Is it? Yeah. Okay. So Michaela comes in with her dad and her and her dad have really strange, a really strange (laughs) interaction culminating with her dad. They they talk. (laughs) So one part, and maybe this is what you're about to say. One part, she's like, or he's like, I really wish your mom could be here for this. And I was like, oh, her mom must be dead. (laughs) But no, she's just at work. (laughs) She's like, because she took a job to pay for school or something. Like it's set up really weird tension and then just dashed it right away. Yeah. But then, and then as they're having their conversation, the dad says to his daughter, to Michaela, I just love how you grasp reality so well. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then, and then, uh, it's established that they're Christians as yeah, well. Yeah, so what happens is, uh, Michaela, I guess, goes to her dorm or she goes to fill out paperwork or something. She goes away from her dad and then her dad sees uh, Gramps and he's like oh do you work here are you one of the professors and Gramps is like nah I'm a student here and uh, the da- the dad of Michaela is like well 
they have a little conversation which ends with him being like, well, I just, you know, hope this the worldly influence doesn't make me lose my daughter or something like that. And Gramps, who is this old guy who just met this other guy, is like, uh, well, I'll pray for her and I'll also keep an eye on her for you. <laughs> Look, <laughs> I don't, I don't have kids. And but yeah. I will say, if I was dropping my daughter off at college, <laughs> so and there's a 65 year old man who is living, apparently living in the dorms, and says, "I'll keep an eye on on her for you," <laughs> I would be worried. I would be extremely worried. But he is a Christian, so uh, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. And so we so we establish Michaela, Stephanie, and Gramps. And then Gramps goes to his room and he meets Brad Hansen. Yes, Brad Hansen, his roommate. Yeah. Who is the only character in the movie who looks like he's college age. I know. Everyone <laughs> else looks so old. Yeah. And so, even like, throughout the movie, everybody, this is a weird, I mean, I it is an atheist college, so... Uh, they, they're and you, all... know, you know it's an atheist college because on the on the walls everywhere there are signs with a microscope on them that say science only. Yeah, <laughs> everywhere. There's one in like the dean's office. There's one in the cafeteria. There's there's they're everywhere. And so uh, Gramps meets his roommate Brad Hansen, and Brad Han- uh, Gramps they have, again another weird interaction and. Uh, Brad sees oh, that Gramps has a Bible, and he's like, what's that? Or, you know, he, Gramps comes in, first of all, and he's like, Brad says, are you the janitor? And Gramps is like, I don't know, they have no, this... Yeah, so Gramps is like, no, I'm not the janitor. And then Brad's like, well, what are you doing in my room? Which is a legitimate question when yeah. an older man shows up at college in your room. Yeah. And he's like, uh, is this room so-and-so? And Brad's like, yeah. And then he says, well, I think you mean, what am I doing in our room? Yeah. Just, it was this weird, like, it was super passive-aggressive and not a great way to introduce yourself to your roommate no, who you're going to be living no. with for the next, you know, nine months or yeah. whatever. But then Brad sees that Grimms has a Bible and he's like, what's that, a Bible? Yeah. And Grimms is like, yeah. And, and then Brad, we- Brad says, oh, good. That means I was worried about having a partying roommate who yeah. would distract my studies. And distract my Bible reading time. So we establish that Brad is also a Christian. Yes. Uh, and and Michaela ends up having to room with Stephanie. Yes. Stephanie is this... Uh, the wild child. Yeah, the wild child. I guess she was a Christian when she first went to the secular school, but then uh, she... Got involved with the party lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. So her and Michaela have another awkward interaction where they talk about how Michaela's a Christian and doesn't party, but Stephanie talks about how she does party. All of this written by somebody who has never partied. <laughs> it was it was fascinating dialogue to say the least. Yeah. Uh, like Stephanie asks her if um, she had ever drank alcohol or things like that. And then I think the conversation kind of comes to a close. And I know this is like a G-rated podcast, but we got to talk about this. The conversation comes to a close with Stephanie being, don't tell me you're a virgin, yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like the worst thing that could possibly happen to her. Uh, it's oh, so strange. Aside from just the weirdness of the conversation, I don't think any... Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm the weird one. But I don't think this is how college roommates talk on their first day, like meeting each other. I don't think like, so. Like, oh, don't tell me you're a virgin. Yeah, right. <laughs> my so- first conversation with my roommates in college was like, hey, hey. I was going, what are you studying? Oh, this? What are you studying? Yeah, right. 
cool. Do you want to yeah. go to Walmart and pick up some supplies? Like that was, <laughs> that was the first conversation. <laughs> and so they have oh, and so they have this conversation. I said, yeah, it's it's not really a movie as much as it's just a series of conversations. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah, so what happens after this? Um, I get is it. Immediately after this, is this when they Brad and Gramps and Stephanie and Michaela have lunch together? Is that what happens next? Yeah. So we should mention, Gramps is living the college dream. <laughs> he hangs out with young women all the time. That's all he does. And then so he... And, and Brad. And Brad, yeah. So he brings Brad along and they go and have uh, lunch in the uh, cafeteria of the assisted living facility. And we also should note... <laughs> The budget for this movie allowed for probably six extras. Yeah, except for the one yeah, scene at the end. Yeah, barring one scene. And so the cafeteria is totally empty. Completely empty. But there's audio, background audio of like a crowded cafeteria. And so they're, they have a conversation. They meet each other. And Grams has a bad feeling about Stephanie. And Stephanie's definitely into Brad. Yeah, Stephanie's into Brad. And then one of Stephanie's old boyfriends comes up to the table and he is mean to Graham. He's just, like, right off the cusp. Mm. Oh, yeah, it was extremely just hostile. Yeah, so hostile. And he's not nice to anybody. Oh, you know what? Uh, This isn't the next scene. The biology class is the next scene. But we can go with this and then we'll go back to the biology. Yeah, Yeah, so... Because they know who he is at this point. Because Yes. No, let's just go back to the biology scene then. Graham's first class is Biology 100. Yes. Because he wants to get a master's in biology. That's his goal. Yeah. And so he goes to the, I guess it's like one of the dean of students or something like that. And he's like, I want to get a master's in biology. Can someone who's a creationist do that? And they're, the guy's like, oh, no, you can't do that. Um, because creationism is superstition. And yeah. Uh, fairy tales yeah. and or so voodoo tricks yeah so he's like take biology 100 with old man radisson yeah and then uh he'll or she'll in this movie but it's the same character uh she'll get you free from all of your superstitious creationist beliefs and so he's like oh well it's a good thing i'm already signed up for that class then which made this seem pointless but <laughs> yeah that's right he was already signed up for it they go to class and Michaela's also in this class, yes. and she's sitting in the front row of the class, and then Gramps comes up and says, hello, Michaela, may I sit next to you? Yeah, because that, and then she's like, how did you know my name? Oh, yeah, and he was like, I met your dad, or something, I don't know, he's weird, very this, weird. This poor girl. And I told him that I would keep an eye on you. <laughs> this 60-year-old man is like, I know your father, and I yeah. told him that I would keep an eye on you. Oh. She's like, okay. And so... They sit down, the professor comes in. Old Man she, Radisson. Yeah, Old Man Radisson immediately starts... No, it's literally... this. These this, The college classroom scenes are like, I think God's not dead. They saw this movie and were like, we need to write it like this. Because she starts out with like, alright, everybody who's a creationist, or everybody who believes in God, raise your hand. It was almost exactly and, the same thing as God's Not Dead with the signing. The and paper. because of the extra famine, they... They just have this. They have a shot of like five people sitting in this lecture hall, and then when the professor gets up, it's just close-ups of her at the podium. And then how, who believes in creationism? Stand up, and there's just a shot of right behind Michaela and Gramps, and, and they stand up. up. 
Because those were the only people in the classroom. Yeah. And then the professor starts bashing the superstition and the voodoo. Every, every atheist in this movie keeps just using the word superstition. Superstition yeah. and fairy tales. and yeah, they're, they're very condescending and negative. But they are atheists. So. Yeah, I am. Yeah. And so... And I remember when, when, when he first goes into the class... The professor comes up to him and is like, excuse me, I just wanted to make sure that you're registered for this class because you can't just walk into a college class. To me, that was the most, like, sane thing that anybody did Mm -hmm. in the movie because there was this old man, like, sitting, like, talking up this, you know, young college girl who's a freshman. I would have been a little, like, what's going on here? Yeah, but it's also established that this professor has this unquenchable attraction to Gramps. That's, like... Again, with the self-indulgence of this movie, Gramps, I just... He's like... He's irresistible to this atheist. It is as though he is... uh, I'm trying to think of an older... Like, Sean Connery or something. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so, in class, Gramps challenges this professor, challenges the science of evolution, just by quoting the Bible, though. No, it's not even that. He does quote the Bible, but... He makes this argument about natural selection, which didn't really make any sense to me. As the argument goes essentially like, uh, where is natural selection? As though natural selection is this like material thing out in the yeah. world, rather than an abstract concept describing you know, how the creatures that are suited to their environment survive and the ones that aren't, don't. And so his argument was, since you can't show me natural selection... It doesn't exist, which I assume he was trying to make, like, well, people say that God doesn't exist, but you can't see him. Yeah. And people say natural selection exists, but you can't see it. But Christians aren't saying that God is, like, an abstract principle to describe, you know, something. Uh, so I didn't think the argument really worked, but the professor was stumped by this. I know. I know that's, and not again, with the self-indulgence, anytime Gramps has any argument... About against evolution, everybody's always just stumped, they've never, and they have they've like never these big epiphanies. Like yeah. So so after the class, word gets out that Gramps has been uh, challenging Old Man Radisson, <laughs> and so which we probably should. I don't remember her name. That's why uh, I'm calling her Old oh, Man Radisson. Tucker. 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 Yeah, Doctor Tucker. Okay. And so uh, word gets out that uh, Gramps has very successfully challenged. And obliterated Dr. Tucker's theory theories on evolution. Mm-hmm. And people start to come up to him and ask for his autograph. <laughs> they come up and they ask for his autograph. And then he just says, no, I don't really do autographs. Like, yes, this <laughs> like, has happened this before. This is a common yeah. thing. Yeah. He, he gets this request quite a bit. Yeah. But he does decide when uh, Stephanie's old boyfriend comes up. He, like, challenges him, and uh, Gramps is like, well, I guess we're going to have to start an intramural sports team then. He starts a dozen intramural sports teams. I think it's one team, but they perform in a bunch of different sports. Oh, it's like the, uh, okay, yeah, there's a bunch of events. Okay. Yeah, I think that's how Oh, yeah, because they're, what's their team name? The Sons of the King. Yeah, the Sons of the King is the intramural sports team name, and for some reason... The other team named themselves the Demons. Yeah, the Demons, it's, and there was another one that was sort of like a bad name, but I don't remember what it was. Yeah, it was Beelzebub or something. <laughs> and so the... I, again, 
all these interactions he has with Stephanie's old boyfriend are so antagonistic. It's like th- this guy's a villain. He is ba- he is the villain of the story, and so the intramural league involves chess and cross country, cross country, and tennis. Tennis. Is that it? I think those are the only and basketball and basketball. Yeah, and so Graham's <laughs> so much in this movie. Yeah, so Graham starts these intramural teams. He wins the cross-country race. And all these other teams are like, how did we lose? And all of the other people running in the race are like people that would not be running cross-country. Or are doing any exercise of any kind. <laughs> I can tell you how you lost. Yeah, you ran that guy in the race. <laughs> Alright, so yeah, there's... Mm-hmm. And yeah, throughout these scenes, he's continuing to have these like takedown moments in the class. Every, I know. every, And then he has coffee with the professor... And she invites him to dinner at her place. Do we need to talk about the scene before that scene with the administrator? Oh, of course we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the dean and... Or no, no, no. One of the other professors or is it the I think dean? it's an administration okay, okay. person. Someone in administration meets with this Professor Tucker. And he has heard as well about this crusader that has been ravaging Biology 100. And so he asks Professor Tucker, what are you going to do about this? And it's this, again, a very strange conversation. And it, what is it? It culminates. Yeah, this is, this is the, like, she is clearly attracted to this old man and, like, just blown away by his ability to argue against evolution in the class. Uh, and she's just, she doesn't know what to do because he's been taking down the class. And they talk about maybe trying to get him kick out, kicked out of the school. And so one of the methods that the administrator suggests to the professor for getting him kicked out of the school. And keep in mind, this is a Christian movie. This wasn't like this is clearly an explicitly made by Christians for Christians movie. The administrator suggests to the professor that she use her feminine charms to teach him some real biology. Yeah, that's what he says. <laughs> oh, so bad. And, yeah. and she thinks this is a good idea. She's I like... Yeah, she thinks this is a wonderful idea. Yeah. And so then has coffee with Gramps. So I guess both of them, the, the intention behind this is like to tempt him so that he falls or something. Like, it's incredible. Uh, that... One, that conversation, she would probably sue the administrator oh, for yeah. like, sexual harassment yeah. oh, or something yeah. like that. For even suggesting that. And so... But they are atheists. Yeah. She and Gramps have coffee in the assisted living facility's little coffee shop. And they have, again, another strange conversation. And it, it she starts talking about what morons creationists are. Mm-hmm. And then... Gramps quotes C.S. Lewis. And attacks the education system. Attacks the education system. And then this, he just destroys all our arguments with the line, who's going to be the moron when Judgment Day comes? Yeah. And because his thinking is, like the comparison he uses is, if you're right and we die, none of us will know it. But if I'm right, you're going to know that I was right for eternity. Which I don't think that's a... A great selling argument if you're, if you're trying I, to convert somebody. And I told you so. Yes, yeah. basically. <laughs> During the chess game, there's the... It's the typical movie chess... Like, you do this... Anytime there's a chess game in a movie, this is what happened. But he's talking to this one young kid about 
evolution and stuff like that, and they're having a discussion about it, and throughout the conversation they're playing chess, which you don't see the game they're playing, because I don't think that they knew enough about chess to simulate an actual right, game. Yeah. So you never see the pieces, but you can tell they're moving pieces. Until the last line when Gramps finally gets him, you know, with his gotcha question or answer. Yeah. And then he's like moving the, the one piece into position and he's like, checkmate. This <laughs> scene, though, has nothing to do with creationism, though. He's talking about fluoride oh, in the right. water. Fluoride. He starts talking about fluoride in the water and poison and how the government's... <laughs> I, it's crazy. He totally, the movie goes completely off topic and he's trying to no. convince this kid that the fluoride in the water it's, might be bad. It's killing, it's turning the frogs gay. Yeah, right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's like a polite Alex Jones argument and then he talks about fluoride in the water and then he i don't even remember what his argument was it was rather just that fluoride is bad and it was basically like a free market argument that if i want fluoride i should just be able to go and buy it and not have why don't they put vitamins in the water (laughs) and then he says checkmate yeah and And he wins yep he wins the argument and this like this moment establishes great it totally like and it delegitimizes him yep. because he's basically he has established himself as the loud guy in the bar who's just <laughs> just talking about everything. Well, I said early on when we were watching it that he's basically like a, a college freshman philosophy major where he just like shows up places and he's like, "Well, Socrates says <laughs> yeah, right. that uh, <laughs> you know, the the man who knows nothing is the one that truly knows everything or something like that." Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is that guy. He yeah. just shows up places and tries to have the he's yeah. the guy in the bar in Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. He yeah, exactly. <laughs> During the there's this intramural subplot where Gramps is destroying people with facts and logic and he is also destroying in chess and basketball and cross country steph and brad start having a relationship Mm -hmm. and he takes she takes him to a party the parties again the great extra famine of 2014 (laughs) is very evident in the party scenes because there's five or six people Standing yep. in what appears to be the garage at one of these, like, um, more independent, uh, like, single homes. Well, this is on the, the second assisted living facility to, campus. Th- there's what? two parties. They go to two oh, parties. Yeah, yeah. So the first one happens in one of the assisted living rooms. And there's, like, t- three people at this yeah. party. And this Brad is basically like, I don't drink because Stephanie wants him to drink. And then... Uh, Stephanie's old boyfriend comes up and basically gives her a hard time for being with Brad. And she's like, I'm with Brad now. And then uh, after that conversation, Brad is like, okay, let's go get a drink. Yeah. Because he wants to prove that he's cool. And so, Steph is like trying to him manipulate yeah. him into just drinking. Yeah. And then so he shows back up at his dorm that night real late and sneaks back into his dorm. And Gramps is still awake. <laughs> Gramps is like warning him about the path that he's going down. Yeah. But the best part is like Brad's like, I have to get up for church in the morning, so I'm going to bed. And Gramps is like, Me too. And tomorrow we can talk about the smell of alcohol in this room. Yeah, that is permeating throughout the entire room. <laughs> so Ugh. Gramps is worried about Brad mm-hmm. going, you know, 
off the off the deep end, I guess. Yeah. So that was the first party. Yeah. And that happens during, like, the montage of scenes of them doing, like, uh, cross-country and playing chess and things like that. Yeah. But then the second party, the one you're talking about. So go ahead. Yeah, then the second party. Brad and... No, Stephanie and her old boyfriend have another confrontation. And so they decide to play uh, a drinking game. This drinking game is... Excessive drinking. Yeah. That's what the game is. They stand facing each other and just go shot for shot. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the six other people at the party are cheering. They're, and yeah. they're all getting very excited about this game. And then Stephanie collapses mm-hmm. and she dies. <laughs> <laughs> this, this situation is amazing, though, because she dies. And then this guy runs up. He's like, I'm pre-med. What, <laughs> what was what, she drinking? What was she drinking? <laughs> Uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't know Sherlock alcohol, and so and they also and what, what we really needed was the uh, guy from God's Not Dead to show up, where he was like, "Oh, all of his ribs are shattered." We needed that guy to yeah, die. Yeah. It's like, did you ever watch the show Deadliest Warrior? No. It was this show where like this group of nerds tested out like medieval weapons. In a warehouse laboratory. And so they had... Uh, was it like a TV show or was it like yeah, a documentary? Yeah, it was a, a TV show. It was a TV reality. show. Okay. They had a couple seasons of it. And like, they would have these dummies made out of ballistics gel. It's like the... Cl- it's really close to human flesh. Yeah, and they yeah. would have organs in it and stuff. And they would have someone test out the sword. They would like cut the dummies in half. And they would have a doctor come onto the screen and pronounce, like, whether or not the adversary had died. He's like, he'd be like, hmm, yeah, there's uh, severe lacerations throughout the torso. I think it's safe to say that this is a confirmed kill. <laughs> and this is what, I, I felt like this is sort of what this scene was like, too. He's like, a pre-med student comes on, and he's like, oh, what was she drinking? And he's like, oh, alcohol? And then, <laughs> you were three seconds later, three the- seconds later, he's like, she's dead. And then everybody runs away. The party, like, party's over. Everybody leaves the party. And who's there? Michaela? Yeah. Well, no, they, they're not there yet. Because this scene is happening during another scene. Which is the professor invites Gramps over to her home for dinner one night. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Can't forget this. Yeah, so this is happening at the same time as the party. Yeah. Gramps goes over to Tucker's house for dinner. They have their coffee meeting. Yeah. And then she invited him to dinner. So he goes over there. And again, lots of weird conversation. And then when they sit down to eat, she gets this glass of or bottle of wine and goes to pour Gramps a glass. And then he puts his hand over the glass and he's like, whoa. Yeah. He, He doesn't drink alcohol. Yeah. And so they have this very long conversation about how he doesn't drink alcohol. And then and while they're having that conversation, she like takes her overcoat off oh, and so she's wearing this dress and like the dress isn't that immodest or no, anything. It's, no, it's like, not. It's like ha- the, the college kids throughout the movie have been wearing very similar clothing. Yeah, but she's wearing I, it's a sleeveless. Top. No, it's not even sleeveless. <laughs> It has like short. It's like short sleeves, but it's not sleeveless. It doesn't have like a wide neck or anything. And it's, it's just, just like a V neck. Yeah. But Gramps can't handle. Uh, they they try to imply that this is a very like reveals her cleavage. Yeah, but like, it, it does not. <laughs> 
and like it doesn't at all. But Grant's is really uncomfortable. What's so weird is like he like turns around in his chair, and, like looks away, <laughs> and he won't even look at her. And then she is uncomfortable. And then he just gets up during the meal, <laughs> takes her jacket, and drapes it over her shoulders. <laughs> And then she kind of like slouches down in her chair, looking around. Like, like what in what? the world is happening? And then he's like, "If you want me to look at you while we talk, this is just how it's got to be." Again with the self indulgence. Like Gramps is a Mary Sue character. Yeah. Like he he has this unflinching moral code. Can you explain for the listener what a Mary Sue? Is? A Mary Sue character is a character in a book or a movie that's like too good to be true. Yeah. Like, like, everything, everything they do right. is righteous, yeah. and they win. I'm trying to think of examples of Mary they have Sue. No character arc. They're yeah, just yeah. Grips. No, he is the most static character of all time. They no arc, no change, nothing. He's basically God. I was saying this when we were watching. Like Gramps is, he basically establishes himself as God in the movie mm-hmm. because he always has these feelings about things, and he rightly predict anything he predicts or has intuition about it comes true. Yeah, and a lot of the students. Like the, the Brad and Michaela, their entire like moral compass is based on what will Gramps think of this? Yeah. What what would Gramps do in this situation? Yeah. So uh, Mary Sue kind of characters are like I mean any young adult fiction. Yeah. Like, okay. Where it's yeah. Like any young adult. Fiction. I'm the chosen one. Right. You know exactly the, those sorts of characters. And he drapes the jacket over. Then they go to sit on the couch. Yeah. And they Tucker and throughout all of this, they're having conversations about. Well, they haven't had any conversations about evolution yet because he he brings it up on the couch because she's like, "See, we didn't even argue during this whole time." And then he's like, "Well, you didn't bring up evolution." And then they start having another conversation yeah. about it. And, but if those conversations aren't worth going into because it's the same conversation and over and over. Again. Tucker is clearly just drinking and becoming more and more insatiably attracted to Gramps. <laughs> and Gramps though, I would like to remind everyone who's listening the everyone who yes. is listening that this is a Christian movie. This isn't like a movie people made to make fun of Christians. This is was sincerely made uh, with Gramps being like this good guy, and like it was made by Christians. So these scenes with like drinking and stuff like that, I was surprised. Yeah, me was too. In there, yeah. This is like typically these sorts of movies avoid this kind of thing happening, mm-hmm. but this one. I commend the rawness of the story. <laughs> and so they're on the couch. But Gramps is kind of playing into this. He keeps telling her that, like, she's a beautiful woman and yeah. stuff. Like, he's not he's not handling himself well in this situation. But then... Maybe this is his uh, Joseph and Potiphar's wife moment. Oh, yeah. I didn't even draw that parallel. But yet this is <laughs> undeniably what it is. Because what does Professor Tucker say? What is, like, the culminating moment in this scene? <laughs> So they're talking about evolution, I think. And at one point, just out of the blue, she's increasingly drinking wine. Gramps has an argument where he's like, have you ever considered dot, 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 and he quotes some Bible verse or something. And then she says, have you ever considered just grabbing me and having some fun? (laughs) Again, this is a Christian movie. Yeah, he's like, have you ever considered grabbing me and just having some fun? So she's bought into the idea that she can get Gramps kicked out of school. She delivered the line in the same way that Chris Hansen reads the transcripts on To Catch a Predator. 
That's what it, like, the, just that, like, wooden, like, matter-of-fact tone. And then, and then she punctuates it by saying, you can take advantage of me any way you want. Oh this is, this is oh, literally yeah, Joseph and Potiphar. Because he says that, uh, that would be taking advantage because you've had too much to drink or something oh, yeah, like yeah. that. And so she's like, I'm all, you know, I'm all for it. So yeah, this is his Joseph and Potiphar's wife moment. Right and then Gramps leaves. Yeah. And then the professor says of him, that SOB. That literally Yeah, just that's S- what she says. That SOB. Nobody walks out on me. And so she's really upset for being scorned. Which, again, I guess this is a Joseph and Potiphar's wife moment. Where she now she's like after him. Yeah. To get him ruined. So Gramps is walking home, runs into Michaela... Who knows that Stephanie is at a party with Brad. And she's just got a really bad feeling that something's going wrong. And so they go to the party. And then at the same time, the administrator who had encouraged uh, Professor Tucker to use her feminine wiles to uh, corrupt (laughs) and tempt Uh, Gramps. Gramps is walking by. And then Professor Tucker drives up. Under the influence. Clearly, gets, because her parking job is really yeah, bad. Gets out of the car and starts yelling about something. And then she... what? It, she's looking for Gramps. And so then the administrator leaves his date mm-hmm. in the middle of the night out on wherever they are. and They're on the college campus or the yeah. assisted living And then campus. he gets in the driver's seat and drives Tucker to this party where Gramps has gone. Yeah. And so they get to the party and where the pre-med student has pronounced Stephanie dead. dead. Yeah. And, um, and Michaela is with Gramps now mm -hmm. because they show up at the party and she prays over Stephanie and Stephanie comes back to life. Yeah. And so then you can tell that professor Tucker is. Yeah. Because having her come to Jesus moment. Right. And then the administrator though is still, Saying no, nah, yeah, he's like no. you're, you're drunk. Yeah, right. Well, she, yeah, she was, but yeah, that's neither here nor there. So then they have this conversation. So earlier on, Gramps had told the professor, you know, look up at the stars some night, and gave some inspirational speech about how the stars, yeah, how big God is, yeah, and yeah. how small you are. And so she does that, and then she launches into this speech about. Information being the third element of oh, the universe, yeah. and yeah. it almost sounded like again an Alex Jones kind yeah. of conspiracy theory thing, where like I don't know what she was trying to prove, but information at being the third element of the universe, and I I, I honestly don't know where she was going with it, but that was the the, the big statement: that information is the third element of the universe, which. Sounds like the beginning of some sci-fi. Yeah, movie. right. Yeah, this, this. But that proved to her that you know there was something to all of this stuff that Gramps was saying. Yeah, and probably seeing the person come back from the dead. Yeah. So Stephanie's in the hospital. Her mom comes to the hospital and is wheeling her out. And then Stephanie asks to go into the chapel, and she apologizes to her mom for all of her less than savory behavior the last few years. Yeah. And then the mom goes on this rant about secularism and all these college professors and entertainment professionals that are... I didn't understand that one. Like actors and... Yeah, but why bring that up? It had nothing because to do Gramps with wrote the movie. Oh. 
That's why. That's great. Right. And so, again, bringing more and more into this movie and talking about entertainment professionals and college professors condoning and pushing the secular agenda. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't... That's Then Brad shows up with, with flowers. some flowers. And there's a very long build-up to the, of course they're for you joke that's in movies all the time. Yeah. Like, who are those flowers for? Then they have this weird repartee. And then Brad's like, no, of course the flowers are for you. And he gives her the flowers, and... and then, no, he says, I, I came to see the invalid. Oh, yeah, that's right! He says, I came to visit the invalid, and then <laughs> gives her flowers. People are Why just, is she in a wheelchair? Because she walked out of the party. Yeah. Remember, she stood up, <laughs> and then... And we also asked the question, when she was raised from the dead, was she, was so- she sober as yeah. well? I don't know. And then, so she stands up, and they, like, walk her out of the party. Yeah. Or well, it's not a party anymore, because no one's there. Yeah. Cause... They walk her out, but then she's being wheeled out of the hospital. And it could be just that she's being wheeled out, because hospitals do that. That's true. Yeah, but maybe it is the O.M. The invalid joke doesn't make any sense. Or then, M.O., yeah. Because she's not, like, disabled. She's just... uh, yeah. And so they have this conversation in the chapel about profs and entertainment professionals and flowers and then we cut to the intramural basketball game. Now, the best uh, part... Is, about, is the basketball game next, or is it the tennis game that's next? No, it's basketball. Okay. Um, so they're, And then they're playing this basketball game. The best thing about any sports in this movie, they either didn't have the time or understanding of to sports. film yeah. an actual sports game. So, Well, in the case of basketball, they just didn't have enough people. Right, yeah. Again, the extra famine of 2014. <laughs> and so they... Basically just show shots being made, and then the scoreboard changing. And they show, like, one person making a shot. Yeah, and Grant wins the basketball game. Yeah. And then two two of the demons, they're having a conversation about how they can get Gramps out of college. And the one demon tells the other demon, well, I have a friend in theater... <laughs> Who's been looking for a, a gig for a long time or something. So as yeah. as most theater people are doing. You, you can probably attest to this. Yes. And so they hatch this plan to get Gramps kicked out of school by telling the administration that he's been buying alcohol for under for minors in the school. Right? Which doesn't make any sense. But because you think like every Minor in college has access to hundreds of other people that could buy them booze. Why would this... Why would they go to this old man? It's such a... The thing that I'm curious about is why do they need a theater student? Because, one, they could just be, like, go to the administration and be like, hey, he's selling alcohol, or he's buying alcohol for underage students. Which I'm assuming that's what happened because we don't ever see a scene where they like set him up in a situation where he's doing that. Yeah. But you don't need a theater student to go to the administration. You can just I, go they to, must just be helping their friend out. I guess you can't. You know, it's, it's a jungle out there. Yeah. Acting gigs are hard to come by. And so he goes to a meeting with the dean, and the dean says, "You have been kicked out of school." And Graham says, "He doesn't say uh, like why, right? He just says." I figured this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And they don't give him a reason. There's no due process whatsoever at all. Like, well, they wanted to get rid of him because he was causing so much disruption in on the classes by taking down the professor's arguments. Yeah. So they kick him out, but he still has some time. And the the final intramural event 
is a tennis match. And so he has to train Brad to play tennis. I don't know why Gramps doesn't just play tennis. Because he's not a college student anymore. Okay, all right, yeah. So he has to train Brad. And this, of all the strange things, in this very strange movie written by this very strange man. This is the strangest. This is the strangest. Because we have a training montage. (laughs) The training montage is just scenes of Gramps showing Brad how to serve. And then it cuts to scenes of Gramps leading Bible studies yeah. with with old with the the people who live in the assisted living yeah. Facility. But I don't know if they're trying to get us. Are they professors I that he's leading to? They're Christ? supposed to be professors, but it's not established whatsoever. Yeah. And then he is also shown playing Duck Duck Goose with kids as well. So but I don't know. They do not give. There's no any context, context yeah. whatsoever. There's just. Tennis scene, Bible study, tennis, duck, duck, duck goose, <laughs> tennis, Bible study. And it goes on for three or four or five yeah, minutes. A couple of minutes. And then we have the final match with the Stephanie's old flame against Brad. And they don't show any of this match. They literally just show the score changing with audio of tennis serves in the background. <laughs> And the, the scoreboard is just like those flip, yeah, like page flip things. Like that's all they had at the assistant, right? Yeah, they don't know how to use electronic like, scoreboards, and so and like in between the sets, uh, you'll just have these shots of Stephanie and Michaela reacting to what has happened. Like, yeah, he did it, yeah. or ah, <laughs> you don't see any of the tennis game, and so. Brad wins, but the winning, this is the only time they show the game. The winning shot is the bad guy standing, and then there is a serve that hits within three feet of him. I mean, well within his range of motion. And he, it's so slow. He, It's almost like it's in slow motion. He watches the serve go down, hit the ground, and then bounce. And then he watches it and he loses. He makes no effort whatsoever at all to hit this serve back. I didn't even realize it was this was the end of the game until his reaction, where he's just like, ah! And, he, and then he throws his racket. Yeah. And then Gramps looks at him and says, don't forget your racket. And then he has a conversation with Brad, and Brad's like, thanks, Gramps. And Gramps is like, yeah, it was sort of like having my own son. Which, oh if he's gosh. a Gramps. And then, okay, and then Gramps has to have his big departure from all of his f- friends that he made at college. Oh, and yeah. so Steph and Michaela talk to him. They're crying. Then Michaela reads him a very long letter she wrote expressing her appreciation for everything no, that he's done. he reads the letter that she wrote. Oh, yeah. This is because Gramps wanted more screen time. <laughs> yeah. And so... That was our conclusion. He writes this letter in the script, and then instead of Michaela reading to... Or just having Michaela... Say it to him. <laughs> she gives him a letter that he is then able to read. And then... I'll be honest. I zoned out about halfway through the letter. And, yeah, me too. I have no idea what the letter said. I think it quoted C.S. Lewis. It did at the beginning. Yeah. And then after that, I was just like... Then they take Gramps out of this door. And then there's all... Just people that were visiting and living in the assisted living facility. This is the highest budget scene of the movie because of all the extras that are in it. And so they walk down the hall and there's... Everybody's cheering, cheering him on. He's walking through a crowd of people who are cheering for him. Which I assume, in the context of the movie, is supposed to be professors and college students, and I guess families of the professors and college students. And the credits established that it was just 
families. Because, like, when they had the extras in the credits, it's like... You'd have, like, ten people with ten the same Smiths, last name. And then ten Wilsons, <laughs> and then sixteen, uh... I can't remember what they were. Zuddocks or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, right. And so they have all... Yeah, and then he walks down, and he leaves. And that's the last we ever see of... No, it's not the last we ever see of Gramps. No. And then we cut to Michaela... In biology. Destroying the biology professor with facts and logic. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to Gramps... Back at the... In the gym. with the, And the guy he was working out with at the beginning says, Hey, Gramps, where have you been? And then he has a conversation about... He was in college. Yeah. And how he got kicked out, but he won the war that he was waging. On he won a year. small battle. Yeah. And he recruited new combatants. And we see all war. of them destroying these professors with facts oh, and logic. Goodness, that's and right. then the end. The end of the movie is, a, again, a very long scene where students get... Well, okay, first of all. The professor in the at the lectern mm-hmm. is reading off of a prompter, like oh yeah. So this is a new professor has come in because oh yeah, because Professor man Radisson Tucker lost her job. Yeah, old man Radisson is kicked out. It is not established why. It's assumed that it's because she became a Christian, yeah. but she has no contact with Gramps after that. Yeah, Gramps, she disappears from the movie. Gramps, what's so again with Gramps being God? Gramps, when people ask where she is, he just has this. Uh, oh yeah, this like. I assume that she was kicked out because she no longer adhered to the teachings of evolution. Yeah. And we're expected to take that as truth just because Gramps has a feeling about it. Like, I, I guess they couldn't afford to get her back for that last scene. She must have quit. This movie must have been filmed in sequence. That's <laughs> Actually, I think you're right because halfway through the movie, we start seeing more characters. Yeah, right. And so... um. Yeah, so she's been kicked out. There's a new professor giving his lecture on on Science. evolution. Yeah. And every sentence or two, he pauses looks and up. looks up at the same spot every single time. He does this a half dozen times. Yeah. And then at the end, he's challenged and destroyed with facts and logic by some of Graham's disciples. Mm-hmm. One, of, well, one of which is Michaela. The mm-hmm. other one is the kid that he was playing chess with. And who is now about, convinced by his fluoride argument. Yeah, he's talking about fluoride, and this kid becomes a Christian because of the fluoride argument. And so they, again, destroy him with facts and logic. But then at the end of the movie, it just cuts to the lecture hall. They have the most people in the lecture hall we've ever seen. And they stand up one by one and read arguments against evolution. No, it's just quotes from like famous people who believe in God. So, like, Albert Einstein. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which Albert Einstein's they use the same quote of Albert Einstein that uh, Josh Wheaton uses in God's Not Dead. Oh, do they? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, but this is—it's so long. It's literally, oh, Captain, my Captain. Yeah. But facts and logic. No tension or drama or any kind of. Yeah. There's no build up to any of the scenes in the movie. Like <laughs> it's just a series of conversations, and oh, so that's the end of the movie. Yeah. And. But but at the end, uh, my wife was watching like the second half of the movie, and at the end, she used to work in an assisted living facility, and she said with patients with dementia, one of the things that you that is like the standard procedure is when they're having like an episode, it's usually more helpful to kind of play along with it a little bit instead of having them get even more stressed out about you trying to tell them that like their deceased spouse is no longer alive. And so her theory, which would have made the movie 
amazing yeah. is that Gramps is living at the assisted living facility and that they're all just playing along because she said the movie should have ended when he just walked out of the assisted living facility. They should have had someone like helping him back in yeah, or like, pushing him in on a wheelchair or something, like, which would have been amazing. If you, if you cut to like he walks out, the door closes, you cut to the, all of the crowd who was just cheering and they all are just stopped. They're like, all right, that's we're that's over. Yeah, like Shutter Island. Shutter Island. Yeah. yeah, that would have made the movie great if they had done that. Um, because it, it's obvious to me. Oh, I was, spoiler alert for Shutter Island. Yeah, by the way. Whoops. <laughs> if you haven't seen, yeah, it's yet. been ten years. Come yeah. on, <laughs> it's a good movie. It is. I want to read the book. But anyway, if they had ended it that way, it would have been great. Because it's clear that most of the characters in this movie are either family of Gramps, like in real life, or there are people who live at this assisted facility, this assisted living facility, and they're just like recruited to be in the movie. So it, it would have been perfect if that's how they had ended it. That like he's not really this super attractive genius who destroys college classrooms, but instead they've just been playing along with yeah. his dementia. Because it, 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 the whole movie is like a daydream. The way people perceive themselves in daydreams, like like a Christmas story, when he's like carried off on the shoulders of. Oh my gosh, Ben, 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 Ben. <laughs> the the only scene from a Christmas story I've ever seen. I think this is a Christmas story. Is the the putting your tongue on the frozen? Pot. Yeah, that's a Christmas story. That's the only. But story. there's okay. Oh. So throughout a Christmas story. For just you, Ben, because you're the only person that has never seen it. There are a series of daydreams that Ralphie has. Okay. Uh, like, he wants a BB gun for Christmas. Right. And so he has this daydream. He's mad that his parents won't get him one. So he has this daydream of, like, showing up at his parents' house and saving them from, like, robbers that are trying to break into their house. And he has another one where he writes an essay about why he should get a, a BB gun. Why, what do you want? And so what do you want for Christmas? Uh-huh. And in his mind, it's like this beautiful essay and so in his mind, he has this daydream of the teacher in a witch, witch costume giving every paper an F and then holding his up and giving it an A and his <laughs> classmates carrying him out. It's like, so it's the best portrayal of, I think, how people do perceive themselves. Yeah. And that's like what this whole movie felt like. Like a daydream. Where this like guy is, when you're in the shower after you've had a conversation with yep, someone yeah. and you relive the conversation and you just destroy just it all. facts and logic. <laughs> That is how this movie is. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. It basically could be a clickbaity YouTube video title, like <laughs> Gramps destroys liberal liberals with facts and logic. <laughs> You'll never believe what happens. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh. So we we missed a couple of scenes, that, but they're irre- irrelevant to the movie. Yeah, but they're really funny, so we should talk about them. One is. One of the times Gramps is sitting in the cafeteria and these guys come up to him and they're like, we heard you're a computer guy, but you're also a creationist. How can that be? How does that work? Uh, And then he's like, oh, I bet you guys read Wired Magazine, (laughs) don't you? Dude, Gramps has a vendetta against (laughs) Wired Magazine. And they're they're like, the the funniest part is they're like, yeah, of course we do. (laughs) And then, and then. He starts talking about how the humans had to have been created by something and using computers as a metaphor. But then at the end, like, the the computer geeks are like, wow, I've never thought of it that way before. This everywhere Gramps goes. Everybody just has these... They're in awe of yeah, this genius. Yeah, they basically just fall down on their knees. And so 
Yeah, there is that one. What was the other one? Um, when they have lunch at the coffee shop, Gramps and the professor. It's not the entire scene, but just one line. Uh, she's a member of Mensa. She, oh, point, yeah. she points that out. She starts talking about how intelligent she is. And yeah, she's like, I am a part of Mensa. So I thought that was funny. But yeah, that's that's the movie. Man. It was a, it was I'm a still wild reeling. ride. I'm still reeling. It did, it did some things that we've never seen Christian movies do before. Like the the blatant portrayal of alcohol and somebody making moves on somebody else. Yeah. So that was amazing. I've ne- never seen that before. And it was just like a, a crazy ride watching this old man like live out his fantasy of being Ben Shapiro. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> oh man, my brother also made, my little brother was watching too, and he made the comment that Gramps, basically, his time at college, if you're looking at it like Gramps is God, it's Christ's 40 days in the wilderness. Like, temptation after temptation. Yeah. He's tempted with wine. He's tempted with um, with uh, just worldly feminine pleasures. Wiles. Yeah, feminine wiles. Yeah. And at every turn, he resists. Yeah. So, did this... Uh... <laughs> yeah. Guiding right. questions. Yeah. Did this movie handle its material well? All right, I think we can commend it for actually portraying certain things that Christian movies yeah. avoid. Yeah, I'll give but it that. they wrote a lot about partying having never attended a party yeah, it was, before. It they, was clear that they didn't really know what... Not that I would ever know what a party like that was like, but they clearly didn't know what a college party was like. It's just... Uh, yeah, so they don't... They had heard about college parties from a Jack Chick track. Yeah, seriously. The, the, the movie preaches like one, too. Yeah. And so they... I ah uh, this is this is a hard one to answer because I commend the, the just they, having like the portrayal yeah. of some material, but overall no. it's just self indulgent. Yeah, this would not happen. Yeah, it would not happen. It was extreme. Self indulgent is a great word for this movie because like God's not dead. Plausible, I, I think. Like besides old man Radisson being just, yeah totally ignoring most of yeah. the field that he is an expert on. Yeah. God's not dead. A it had effort, but B we're, we're talking positively about God's I not know. dead because Dude, of this movie. We're ugh, it's devolving, and so God's not dead was at least plausible. Yeah, it wasn't just one man's fantasy world of like this being is, Ben Shapiro. I think that's actually a good description. Like he he wants to be that guy on YouTube videos. And yeah. he's like uh, he does have a YouTube channel, does he? Yeah, I oh man, we should we should watch them. Because it's just like him talking about things. One of them was like about religion versus relationship. And another one... Yeah. Oh, man. I wish I had... I should have brought this up before. Wow. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. yeah. He does have a YouTube channel. He also has a blog. I read a little bit of one. And he he quotes Princess Bride in one of the posts, which is great. Um, really? Yeah. I hate that movie with a passion. I've never seen it. You've never seen Princess Bride? See, this no, is... No, this, this is a good thing. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm okay right. with this. Because that's what everybody always says. Movie. I but, hate okay. that movie. I will just use the one out of a thousand. I'll just use the one non-recommendation to justify not having seen it. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's a, I hate that movie. People, people hate that I hate that movie, but it's awful. Anyway, it's not funny. It's not clever. It's just bad. But I, I can't rant about The Princess Bride. Okay, more. Yeah. <laughs> this will go off the rails. All this to say, this movie... It didn't handle its material well, I think it is... But uh, 
if it is like a daydream or a fantasy, <laughs> yeah. I think if, if, I think Gramps handled the material that he wanted to in as best a way <laughs> as he could. That is to say, Gramps is self-indulgent, mm-hmm. arrogant, and totally self-grandizing. Yeah, aggrandizing. Oh, pardon me. <laughs> All right. So, what is your favorite quote from this movie? This is a new guiding question. We're going to try out. Your favorite quote. Oh, when the administrator is trying to get the uh, Professor Tucker to teach uh, teach Graham some real biology, yeah. she makes the comment in that conversation that she kind of likes having him in class. A, the undertones of insatiable attraction are there, but she also says, it's been a while since I've had a worthy adversary. <laughs> That's literally what she says. That was my favorite line in the entire movie. What was yours? I think mine was at the very beginning of the movie when he first shows up to the college, to the assisted living facility, and finds out that it's a co-ed dorm, and he says, I'm surprised and confused. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's some quotable lines in this movie. There actually. are. This, this is the comparison to The Room is perfect. Because yeah. this is like, A, this is like a true Christian indie flick. Yeah. And it it's insane. Yeah, it's wild. All right, should this movie have been made? I'm just gonna vote no on this. Usually, I can see like the the element of something in these movies where I'm like, yeah, if they did this differently and if they did this differently. But this movie, it literally is just you know, Gramps on YouTube.com destroys atheist professor, and you yeah. can watch those videos on YouTube. This movie didn't need to be. Yeah, there. that's true. Yeah, I'll go with no. I was only going to say yes because it's. I don't know. It's like of all, it I'm glad that it exists. Me too. Okay, yeah, okay. That's a good way of putting it. I am happy, more than happy, that this movie exists, but <laughs> it should never have been made. Yeah. Uh, all right. Would you recast anybody in this movie? I would make the uh, Professor Tucker played by Tammy Two, the librarian oh, Tammy from yeah, Parks and Rec. Yeah. Yeah, I would make it Tammy Two and make like the the whole dinner scene just over the top. <laughs> oh, that would have been fantastic yeah. if she had been playing that role. And Nick Offerman had been Gramps. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> that could have been a scene out of Parks and Rec. Yeah, Gramps <laughs> is the Christian Ron Swanson. He can do everything. He can yeah. play sports. He can program computers. And he all of his it. arguments are just fantastic. Yeah. That's a good point. So Nick Offerman as Gramps. He would have to be a little older, but he could do it. All right. Did anything knock your socks off in this movie? Oh. Almost everything every, about this movie. Every turn. Yeah, this was... Every a, turn. I had... I'm glad that I wore multiple pairs because at every turn <laughs> your socks were just socks, off yeah. across the room. <laughs> yeah, it, there's every. I mean, I think the the, so the, the realization that it was all filmed at an assisted living <laughs> yeah. facility that yeah. that destroyed me. I think the moment where I just lost it was when the college administrator suggests to the professor that she should use her feminine wiles on this student. That to me was just like the most mind blowing. Like, really? Yeah. They just do this in a movie, and it's in a Christian movie. I just, yeah, I love that that like totally that totally blind take, like conservative take on what universities must be like. It's just like again to go back to Pilgrim's Progress. They're basically Vanity Fair. <laughs> yeah. All right. Would you watch this again? And would you recommend this? Yes, people should watch it. Yeah, I think this. Yeah, like this is this is one of those movies that, along with The Room and Troll Two, where I'm going to be like to my friends, "You've got to see yeah. this movie." It does not not because it's good, 
because it's so bad that it's fun to watch. It's God's Not Dead is like an important in some way, like just to evangelical pop culture. We've talked about this, mm-hmm. but this movie it takes all that stuff from God's Not Dead, yeah. and then like who is this movie made for? Gramps. Gramps. It's made, it's for, made Gramps. for Gramps. Yeah. He just made it for himself because it's it's it was a painful movie to watch in some ways. Mm-hmm. It was also. It was delightful. Yeah, I, I was, was not bored. No. We've, like, some of these movies we've watched and we've just been like, when is it over? Yeah. This movie, I had a great time watching it because it was just, like, you never knew what was going to come next. I've never watched such a slow movie so that packed wastes no time. <laughs> yeah. It was amazing. Uh, it was great. So, I guess... Yeah, yeah. People should definitely watch it. Yeah. If this is like if you're sincerely into Christian movies like you like them, maybe not because this isn't Yeah. It's not like a good Christian movie, but it is if you're if you enjoy watching bad movies just cuz they make you laugh, this is one that's worth watching. It's not it's no uh it's no the Omega Code. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's actually enjoyable. All right. So how would you rate this movie? Two tennis rackets. Two tennis rackets. Yeah. All right. I'm going to I'm going to give this movie a high rating, but only because of how enjoyable the okay. movie is to watch and not because it's any good. But I'm going to give this movie 7 empty cafeterias. 7 That's maybe the highest rating I've given a movie on the podcast. No, this is the highest average rating that any of the movies have gotten. Is Definitely. It? Yeah, 7 and 2 is 9 four and a half. Yeah. yeah. Because I've never, I don't think I've ever rated anything higher than three. I think I've given, I think I gave the Buttercream Gang a seven. Okay, so maybe, okay, but this is on par with the Buttercream Gang. But for totally different totally, reasons. Yeah. Totally different yeah. reasons. The Buttercream Gang is heartwarming and uh, a good story of friendship. This movie is just hilarious yeah. to watch. In case anybody was a little upset, there is no scientific basis or logical system to our rating scale. Maybe not, all. maybe not for you. Okay. <laughs> I, okay, I, I'm sorry for speaking for the group, dear listener. Yeah, I my system is <laughs> completely arbitrary. It's what we call a crapshoot. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening, listener. Yeah. And we recommend this. Yeah. You really it's should on watch YouTube. it. It's it is on, on YouTube. YouTube in full. Yeah. So please take an hour and forty minutes and check it out. You will not be well. You will be very disappointed, but <laughs> you won't be disappointed as a viewer. You will not be disappointed. <laughs> And check us out on Instagram. Please communicate with us for any, uh, if you want to recommend a movie or have questions or comments about any other movie that we have reviewed. Uh, we're on Instagram at Better Day Podcast. And you can email us at betterdaypodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter. We are at Better Day Cast. Our episodes are on SoundCloud and iTunes. So go and give us a listen. A rating would be fantastic, preferably a high one. And I don't, I don't, I got nothing else to say. Yep. Thanks for listening. So you mean to tell me that you want our kids to have cavities? Of course not. Well, scientific studies prove that fluoride prevents the decay of teeth. Well, some have and some haven't. Have you ever stopped to think that there might be bias involved in scientific research, giving new meaning to the term political science? Listen, man, you sound paranoid. Facts are facts. Are they? Well, what if the company that's selling the sodium fluoride bribes some official? They've been using this stuff for decades. It hasn't hurt anybody. We have a cancer epidemic going on, a myriad of illnesses that the doctors can't explain, like fibromyalgia. There is a source to that stuff. Could it possibly be that 
Sodium fluoride is a culprit? No, I don't think so. <sighs> Let's look at it this way. If there's even a chance that this stuff is causing people to get sick or worse, would that justify putting it in the drinking water to prevent a few cavities? Of course not. <sighs> they don't put vitamins in the drinking water. Yeah, yeah, hold on. They put vitamins in drinks that you can buy. Exactly. Why didn't they do that with the sodium fluoride, especially those sugary drinks that cause the cavities in the first place? They put it in your toothpaste. Not mine, they don't. See, that's the beauty of going down to the store and buying something. I can choose which has fluoride and what doesn't. When the government supplies the drinking water, I don't have a choice and they're basically forcing me to ingest poison.